Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us, everybody. Everyone's home and uh, back from the conference in San Diego. Many of us are, many of you are dialing in. A lot of people, well attended conference this year. We had a great time. It's Monday. It's October 26th, and it's time for the Lickin' on Lending broadcast. We thank you so much for making this your way, staying up on all that's going on. There's some great information out there in the marketplace. Uh, this one, I'm getting a lot of comments. Again, just another round of comments about how much. People enjoy listening to our broadcast while working out, riding, commuting. There's any host of ways. So got some great stories we'll share a little bit later on that. But we appreciate you tuning in today. Today in the Hot Topic segment, we're going to be reviewing what was being talked about at the MBA Annual Convention and Expo there in San Diego last week. So we're talking about the takeaways. And we have Sam Garcia of Mortgage Daily. Uh, this tall, dark, handsome guy walked up to me in the after the press briefing and uh, uh, greeted himself, and I, I forgot how tall and you know, what a great guy he is, and just such warmth, and I'm so glad to have him on here a little bit later in the broadcast during the Hot Topic segment, sharing his perspective. He attended a lot of the meetings, and he was forwarded a lot of the speeches uh, that he has. So he's got a lot of great notes and some great things to cover here in the Hot Topic segment. So in the Hot Topic segment, you will want to stay tuned because we're going to be talking about the takeaways from the MBA Annual Convention and Expo in San Diego. Also, I just everyone hears me say this, but I just want to say a big thank you out to um, Progress in Lending for get, honoring us with the Innovation Award. It was this broadcast again is created by mortgage professionals. Sometimes if you listen to us, it's pretty obvious we're not professionals at the broadcast side of the business, but we are mortgage professionals. And we're here for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful again for the, Pro- the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. I just want to say thank you to our sponsors. We have United Guarantee, the number one MI company for the fourth consecutive year in a row. And uh, they're accessing, talking today about their how time is important. Your time is important. They're doing a lot of things to help you honor your time. So if you, as a result of United Guarantee's direct connections with many of the LOS systems and the pricing and product pricing engines, such as Nilex, others out there, uh, you get more done in less time. You can get a quote and request MI without ever leaving your LOS or pricing engine. Get faster response to your MI request. And you can forget about those rate cards. Where's my rate card? I used to have to have, always scrambling to find mine. You don't have to worry about that because they always have the current pricing through that integration and the connection. It's a lot easier to than ever to get a price and get take advantage of their performance premium risk brace MI pricing. For more information, check out their website at ugcorp.com or call your account executives. Mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. 
Also, a special thank you to our longstanding sponsor, Velma. It's virtual stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They do a great job of getting the word out to many of you that are dialing in from all over the nation today. Looking forward to visiting with you all again here in a minute. But I say thank you to Velma for the job they do. If you're looking for a Set It Forget It auto campaign to get your word out, or they can do customs on the fly. That's what they do for me all the time here at the podcast because we're doing everything on the fly and in a hurry, it seems like. So a special thank you. Then a later sponsor is Motivity Solutions, the leading business intelligence technology in the nation, and real-time reporting as well as dashboards and scorecards. I always like having scorecards that I give my investors instead of the other way around. Motivity gives you that ability. Motivity Solutions Mortgage Business Intelligence delivers real-time, powerful, analytic, enabling mortgage lenders to proactively monitor and manage operations across their entire enterprise, uh, all across your entire enterprise. Check it out, www, or it's actually http colon atbs forward slash forward slash motivitysolutions.com. Just put in motivitysolutions.com and it'll come right up or call them at 303-721-9000. Of course, I want to say special thank you to Alice and Joe. Uh, Andy's not with us today, uh, but Alice and Joe for joining us again. They're regular contributors to this uh, podcast, and we're so grateful to them and their contribution. A lot goes into this preparation of this broadcast. I want to say thank you to the NBA for putting a great annual conference together. It was well attended, uh, many, many meetings, uh, some outstanding sessions. We're going to be talking about that again in the Hot Topic segment. But we also have the Accounting and Financial Management Conference coming up at the Roosevelt New Orleans and that is November 8th. Also, we have December 2nd through the 4th, the Independent Mortgage Banking Conference. Uh, looks like I'll be at that one and having an opportunity to be meeting with a lot of you there. And then also on the 21st of Jan- uh, 2000, January, two, the 21st of January 2016, the MBA's first mergers and acquisition workshop. I ran into Marina Walsh at the conference, and she said, "I'm really excited." about this conference, and, and uh, your old firm, MBS, and uh, Chuck Klein specifically are very instrumental in putting that conference together. So very good. Check out all the conferences at the MBA.org website. Go conferences in education. Check it out. Joe Farr, looking at the lines. Looks hey, like we have a little, little bit of improvement today. Good stuff. And, yeah, we're uh, up a little bit. We're, we're up 430 seconds on the day. Uh, you know, it started out, it went, it went up pretty early in the morning. We did have weaker data than what was expected. The the new home sales data surprised a little bit. Came in at 468,000 new homes um, as an annualized basis, and uh, right. but the expectations were 550,000. So it was far below what was expected. Oh. And and on top of that, the prior month August was revised a little lower as well. So uh, this morning we are up. Uh, not so much because of that, but uh, uh, we are up. Uh, four thirty seconds, and you know that new home sales data was kind of surprising, Dave. When you when you consider all the good housing data we got last last week, uh, you. you know, starting with the home builders, confidence was up, and the housing starts were up, and uh, consumer sentiment was good. Existing home sales uh, came in at five point five million annualized units, which was the second highest number uh, that we've seen this year. But when you go back. To prior years, it's um, it was a very good number. So I was I was a little surprised that that the new home sales data was as weak as it was. Yeah, I, I was surprised too. I was just makes me wonder if it, if 
they bought up all the inventory out there because there's so many inventory issues, which has been helping all the other sales. I mean, just it just puts a lot of demand out there, lower rates. But that, that's just, we'll have to dive in. I'm going to dive into that number and look into it and comment on it in today's Mortgage Minute uh, videos that I do. But, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, let's take a look at what happened last week. There was a, we were, I was at the conference, but, again, like you said, a lot of great housing numbers. All of it pretty much across yeah. the board was good. Yeah, and, uh, and those housing numbers record. really didn't. The housing numbers really didn't affect the market too much. What did affect the market were the central bank announcements, uh, both in yeah. Europe and China. Uh happened late in the week, and one was good for mortgage rates, and one was not so good for mortgage rates. On Thursday, the uh, Mario Draghi, the president of the ECB, yeah. announced, didn't announce, but, but stated that uh, more QE, more bond buying, may be necessary, and that they're willing to do what they need to do. And... Uh, you know, anytime QE is considered or announced or, uh, you know, a, a possibility, both bonds and stocks like that, the stock market took off and, and mortgage rates improved, uh, MBS prices improved, mortgage rates improved on uh, on that uh, statement about it being a possibility. Uh, that happened on Thursday. Then on Friday, China announced both a rate cut and they reduced the reserve requirements banks have to hold in order to stimulate lending and in order to stimulate the growth and in order to stimulate their economy. And that was viewed as uh, inflationary by the market. And, and uh, MBS prices fell uh, on the on the day of that announcement. So one was good, one was bad. They kind of offset, and for the week, rates were really little changed. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting weeks, but this week, what do we got coming? Yeah, up this week's this week? big. Hey, we got a lot big. going on this week. With uh, starts tomorrow with the durable orders, yeah, uh, and then on and then on Wednesday is the uh, Fed minutes, uh, not minutes, but the Fed statement following statement, their meeting. Yeah. And um, very little chance of a rate increase, but uh, people will really be looking for guidance on future. Um, you know what? How 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 likely is it to happen soon? Uh, you know, given the, the the softness overseas and and the the central bank action that they're doing, if if the Fed does raise rates, we're going to see a strengthening do dollar, which is going to be difficult for manufacturing. Uh, exports are going to be more expensive. Imports are going to be less expensive, and and that's not good from an inflationary perspective. So, uh, I, I'd be surprised. To, uh, I'd be very surprised if there were a rate increase on uh, on Wednesday, and even. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if there's a little uh, indication that uh, that that it won't be it won't happen in December either. Yeah, that's what I'm here too. And, and then no one's really uh, after to get the out minute? there. Yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead with you. I was going to say no one really wants to get in to speculate as to when it is going to be, especially when you see China and uh, the ECB, you know, effectively putting in QE too. You know, through whatever QE mm -hmm. number it is for them, and, uh, and you know, there's the pressures on the feds just to stay put. I mean, or you know, who knows another round of type of easing, but can't, how much how much lower can we get? But no, it's interesting. It can't get any lower. No. Uh, it, you know, and it doesn't stop with the uh, Fed meeting. We got the first quarter, first look at third quarter GDP on Thursday, and then we got the core PCE on Friday. So something big every day this week, and uh, also interesting to note that uh, uh, issues with the debt ceiling and, and Congress oh, yeah. raising the debt ceiling, and and uh, Secretary Liu has indicated that. Uh, 
they're likely to run out of money by Tuesday if uh, if the debt ceiling's not increased, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. Yeah, a week from tomorrow. They've already postponed the, the two-year Treasury auction and, and, and saying that, that they need to do that because of debt ceiling issues. So uh, that will be a, a hot topic for the week. Lots of hot topics going on. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing, getting your commentary on uh, when we get into some of the information that was presented at the conference, some of which was Frat and Tony. He shared some of it with us on our broadcast, but looking forward to having your comments. Uh, Joe, you would have been thrilled because I was sitting in the meeting on the East Coast here about a week and a half ago, and uh, the subject of MBS Quote Line, and specifically you, came up. We were sitting here talking. And uh, these people are going on and on how they just love the MBS quote line service. So concise, all the things I talk about on the radio that we can talk about here, and that it's concise to the point and just really valuable. And, and very few people understand just how real time it is. So it's great stuff. Good job. And well, you're you. you're doing a good job out there. You're well known, and the the buzz is going on. <laughs> Always nice to know there's buzz. Folks, yeah. we're going to be right back. You want to learn more how to get signed up for Joe's excellent service? Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility over the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoline, you'll never be out of touch with the market. Whether you're in the office or on the road, see for yourself what MBS Quote Line can do for you. Go to MBSQuoteLine.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. MBSQuoteLine.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. Oh, it's so good to be back here with you and see so many of you dialed in on the on the call. I've got turned on Paul Malo's. Mike here, and Paul, good to have you with us here. And, boy, you were busy writing about all the stuff coming out of the conference. So let's go through it. I'm in your website, www.imfnews.com. Folks, if you're not signed up for this, absolutely go out and do it now. This is a now thing. Go do it now. All right. What you got for us? Thank you, David. Well, I wasn't at MBA, but our uh, our editor-in-chief, John Bancroft, was there. He was filing reports, and we were... You know, we we were also covering it by just you know reading the speeches and and getting the announcements and and covering it uh, you know sort of uh, remotely you might say so right. you know we were there in, in a sense uh, it sounds like it was an interesting show and I'd be interested to hear what you you guys say about it later today uh, in IMF news our lead stories about non banks um, continuing to gain in Fannie Freddie Ginny servicing we crunch the numbers every quarter and you know it, it's interesting though the banks have been you know steadily marching away from servicing rights, in particular Fannie, Freddie, Jenny's. But it looks like that that long march by the mega banks might finally be over, that these guys are, you know, are going to start plateauing out, maybe even growing their portfolios a little bit. Uh, they're not going to, you know, go back to having the huge market shares they used to have. But it looks like they they sort of paired their portfolios and said, you know, well, this is a pretty good level. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. 
Um, we also had one of John's reports uh, from last week has been updated a bit. Uh, it's basically about what's going to happen in the origination market next year. I think it's no secret that refis are going to be weak. Uh, the question is, how strong is the purchase business going to be? You know, one thing, we cover the predictions and estimates all the time, and it's always interesting to see when people make a bad, you know, prediction that things are going downhill. A lot of times it seems like they're always wrong. <laughs> and then sometimes <laughs> when they're told, and then when they're too bullish, they're wrong. So, But that's the mortgage business. You can never predict, and that's sort of what makes it fun to that's cover. Uh, our third story, um, this is, we got wind of it this morning. There was some rumblings about changes at Citizens Bank. This is the RBS, formerly owned RBS Citizens Bank. Right. Uh, I think the news, they, they had mentioned uh, that they had a new uh, CEO, Chris Nard. But I think what, what wasn't really well known is that Cheryl Nolda, who's been there for a while, and Glenn Carter, I think they both have been there five years or so. They're both they're both leaving uh, Citizens, the mortgage division, and um, Chris Nard is coming in. It's interesting. He used to be uh, one of the top guys at Old Republic, and now he's going to be right. running a mortgage division at a bank. Uh, and, and I know early this year, I think it was uh, Citizens that hired a top guy out of a guarantee rate. So lots of changes going on. I know there's been lots of changes at SunTrust, the mortgage division there. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch what's going on with these mid-sized banks. Uh, IMA's got a flow deal out. Uh, this is a $600 million flow deal. It could be up to 600. It's 40 to 50 million per month. Uh, we cover a lot of servicing deals, so we always throw that, uh, especially on a Monday morning. Also, interesting people note: uh, Mark Savage. Some people know who he is, and some people don't. Mm-hmm. He's very well known in broker circles. He runs a trade group called the National Association of Independent Housing Professionals. He runs a small brokerage in West Virginia. He's throwing his hat into the ring uh, for the second congressional district in West Virginia. He ran for a a seat in Virginia a couple years back, wasn't successful. Uh, I think he he lives like right on the border between the two states, and he's got homes (laughs) on both sides. So now he's going to be running in West Virginia uh, as a Republican. Uh, Short takes is some talk about what the loan limit is going to be next year, the Fannie Freddie. I know the Federal Housing Finance Agency has changed the way they collect and and compile the data, and it will be interesting to see what the number is. Right now it's 417,000. Capital Alpha Partners, uh, they think it could go up to 500,000. That would be really surprising. That would be quite a boost, by the way. And I'm sure there would be some kind of political backlash, but uh, we'll see. Uh, just some uh, loose earnings items. Altasource came out with earnings, a, a decent number, $37 million, but their profit was down from the uh, quarter a year ago and the revenue's down. I think uh, we pay a lot of attention to that one because that's uh, Aquin's REO spinoff, and right. it's been clobbered with, like, all the Aquin-affiliated companies. The stock's been clobbered. But they are making money. Uh, Aquin's earnings, I think, come out in November. I think they've already reported they're going to have a loss for the year. I'm not sure what it means for the quarter, but a lot of people are going to be watching that announcement on Aquin in early November. So that's sort of all the highlights from today's daily, and uh, that's about well, it. Well, you do a good stuff. Excellent. I was thinking about uh, Mark Savitt running for uh, office, public office, and, you know, there's such an anti-establishment, uh, government establishment kind of, Campaign going on as you look at Sanders and Trump, you know, doing continue well. Trump's starting to slip a little bit. You know, it almost made me think you and I could almost get in the race. And uh, <laughs> actually, oh, gosh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I I, I just want to hear someone uh, down the road. I want to hear Democrat, Republican, left or right. I want to hear them talk about how they're going to solve the deficit. 
you yeah. know, and and, and, and start whittling down the eighteen trillion in debt or whatever we have. You know, I really want to hear that. I mean, that's one of my favorite topics. There's many key topics, obviously, but that's the one that that seems yep. to you know get lost. And, and even though the deficit under Obama is the lowest it's it's been, I think it's four or five hundred billion dollars. We're still not at zero. And uh, I really want to hear from all these politicians what their real plan is, not just a bunch of jawboning about cutting spending and raising taxes. You know, they they need to compromise to get this thing under control, and, and that's a key issue, not just for our generation, but the ones after us. Anyway, I think, enough of that. I think we're getting old enough where we're starting to think. You know, we talk more about that next generation, our kids, and what they're what we're saddling them with. It's absolutely it's absolutely true. Paul, thanks so much. Folks, check out his website and the, the blog, and then get signed up so that the emails go right into your email box. Again, go to imfnews.com. Sign up. Get it. Paul's got the great does He and the whole team there uh, do a great job of staying on top of some of the leading stories. So good to have you here, Paul. Thanks so much. Thank you. You bet. Alice Alvey, what is going on in the world? I mean, did you pick up a lot of new, really hot stuff, Alice, at the conference? I mean, I shouldn't think about all that's going on out there, and there certainly is so much to report on in your area, but it's good to have you joining us today. Thank you. Well, I think the biggest thing certainly was folks looking for ways to solve various pain points. So a lot of folks didn't want to even bring up TRID. Uh, because yeah. I think it was a chance for a break from it. Uh, certainly, there was a part. It's like of a recovering alcoholic, you know. Don't right? bring, don't, don't bring me to a bar. Don't bring me, don't, don't bring up trid. So, oh, right. Gosh, and, and a few folks were bragging about they'd closed their first ones, you know. So they were all excited yeah. about that. That so far they didn't feel they were going to have any problems with it. So that was bounded on that front. But from the, for the most part, our customers that we met with were eager to look at solving for efficiencies in the loan flow. So that right. gave us a lot of opportunity to talk about our income analyzer products and um, our Kaizen uh, products and different software as a service models that we have that help improve workflow. So we were excited about that, that folks were really eager to look at those types of opportunities. Think forward, right, and think of innovation is what was the theme that we saw. Um, certainly, I think the, from a compliance standpoint, you know, our big piece out there is the final thing is this Humda rule, and we've got a long window to be able to get this implemented. So my words of wisdom for 2016 are enjoy it while you can because you're not going to have to have any major regulatory implementation in 2016. Certainly behind the scenes, the LOS providers will be working through the Humda data and cleaning up the bugs from TRID. But you don't have to actually start collecting the information until 2018. So you've got a long window and no excuses for getting it right um, ahead of time and lots of time in 2017 to just and run some test cases on it. Uh, so don't let that allow you to procrastinate. But I, I was going to me 2016 then could be our year of a chance to innovate. Uh, the other note I guess I want to just make sure I, I bring up for folks today is just. Any and Freddie have aligned as of the beginning of October with certain definitions for findings, um, price-adjusted loans, and significant defects. So you do want to revisit all of your QC and your audit uh, terminology that you're, that you're using and anything that you consider a loan defect to be able to line up with their definitions from both of their announcements. Uh, so those are my my pieces for today, Dave. And I don't know if you saw my message, but I'm going to have to drop after my segment here. I'm so disappointed, but I know Sam has a ton of stuff to talk about from the conference, 
and he'll be providing everybody great information for the rest of the show. Well, sorry to see you have to go. Always fun to have you here, Alice, and appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh, visit. But there is so much going on, and I the follow-up after this conference, uh, so I more than understand. So it's good to have you here. Thanks so much for giving us a report. And uh, All right, look forward to having you. having you back next week. All right, talk. To All you right, soon. thank you. Okay, bye. All right, everybody. So good to have Alice here. It is we're all got this busy schedules, and they take so much time out of this to to uh, Alice, Joe, Andy, everyone, Sam, uh, Paul, everyone comes on and provides us so much information. So it's really good, folks. We're going to be right back with Sam Garcia, and then we're going to go right into the hot topics segment. And so. Andy Shell is the Prophet Doctor greets everybody. He is not going to be joining us today on the broadcast, but look forward to having um, the comments and getting into a real good discussion about it. There was so much going on. Can't wait to share it with you. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Well, it's good to have you. We're with us, everybody. So much going on at the conference. It was well attended, and uh, one of the individuals that is a regular to the broadcast, Sam Garcia, is on the line, and we're so grateful that he could take the time to join us. I reached out to him because he and I met after the after the press conference related to Frantoni, Mike Frantoni's uh, releasing of the latest numbers when it comes to the economics data. And, uh, you know, you know, walked up to me and I said, who is this good-looking tall guy? And he would go, Sam, we meet different times, but not as often as we do on the phone. And I tell you, Sam, it was great to have you walk up. So grateful for your kind and gracious comments, and we're really grateful that you took some time out of your busy day to join us here today. So, Sam, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, it was really good to see you there, and uh, you know, it's why we go to those things, isn't it, to see uh, other people yeah. in the business and catch up and get some good ideas. Yeah, it was like, it's like a class reunion, it really is. There's so much going on there. Well, uh, knowing that the Prophet Doctor can't make the broadcast today, and, and we've got some time here, to, so let's roll in some of the things that are on your headlines, and then let's really get into the discussion about what is going on, what went on from your perspective. And then I want to just share, you and I talk back and forth, sharing some of the things, and I'll share some of the things that Alice and I talked about while there. So let's get into a quick update, what's on your website. Folks, I encourage you to check out MortgageDaily.com. It's another one of those things you got to get subscribed to, sign up for it, but check it out at www.mortgagedaily.com. I was on there downloading some reports last night. The data that's there is just is so valuable. So kudos, kudos to you, Sam, for doing a great job. What do you have that's on the headlines that you're tracking? Well, um, the first thing I wanted to get into was our mortgage market index. Uh, that's basically an indicator of upcoming originations, and it's based on average per-user rate locks by clients of Open Close, who provides us that data. Last week, it dropped 4%. That's a little disappointing, given that uh, interest rates were down, and uh, the biggest drop yeah. came with jumbo business. It sank almost a third over the week, so uh, I don't know. Hopefully, that'll turn around, but uh, and, and again, it's an indication of upcoming originations. Um, 
you know, during last week's conference, I, uh, I got to spend some time with Ellie May's CEO, Jonathan Kaur. He talked about uh, what has made the company so successful, and, and we actually published a story about his comments today, so if anyone wants to read that. I saw that. But, I'm looking forward to reading it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but that one, that one really caught my attention. But uh, Ellie May put out its monthly origination insight report last week, and it was big news because the average credit score for September was 723. That turned out to be the lowest uh, credit score that they've recorded uh, in any given month since they started doing this report in 2011. It's a good sign uh, that things are getting a little bit looser. Um, Another good sign was the closing ratio. Uh, That moved up to 66.8% in September from just a nudge higher than 66.3% in August. Um, And that's basically uh, their gauge of uh, loans that have closed where the application was started in the prior three-month cycle. That's how they uh, define it. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Quicken Loans, uh, they reported as part of the Mortgage Daily Origination Survey that we we conduct that their uh, originations were down 8% in the third quarter from the second quarter to $19.7 billion. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is almost all lenders that uh, we've tracked so far this quarter during the current cycle have reported a quarter-over-quarter decline. Um, so that just seems to be it's not a big, drastic decline. But uh, I did have a good meeting with actually uh, Quicken CEO Bill Emerson, who's, of course, the new Mortgage Bankers yeah. Association chairman. And he talked about how the company has been so successful. And same thing, we published a story about his comments uh, last week. So that, that's an interesting story. And, you know, I think the common thread that we hear, you know, with these people I've talked to that run these successful companies is culture, uh, culture within the company and how they keep things going. So um, another person I met with last week was Stanley Middleman, the CEO of Freedom oh, yeah. Mortgage. Um, and Freedom, uh, they basically announced that they're recruiting uh, new employees. Uh, I asked them, and they said it was 400 new employees. And wow. they're going to target educational institutions uh, for the new recruits. So that's okay. kind of a new, a new group the, that they're – Yeah, yeah. And then, like you said, we, you and I saw each other at the uh, Economic Outlook uh, session that they held at the Mortgage Bankers Association. And uh, what was significant there is that the mortgage bankers in this last month's uh, – Outlook raised their expectations for mortgage originations uh, up by more than $250 billion for the years from 2014 to 2016. So those three years now, they expect $250 billion more than they did just a month earlier. Um, part of that, of course, is uh, that the uh, Humda data came in stronger than what uh, the economists had uh, you know, been uh, expecting for the originations for 2014, but then also they're more optimistic about what's going on uh, this year and next year. Um, delinquency was reported, and 30-day delinquency, including foreclosures, was at a rate of 6.33% in September, and that was worse than the prior month, and in fact, it was the second consecutive month that delinquency worsened. Uh, yes. Never never a good sign, so... No. Um, yeah. Loan loan modification volume was reported. Um, it declined for the fourth consecutive month. Uh, servicers completed more than 32,000 loan modifications during August. That was 3% fewer than July. But I kind of seem to think that these numbers should be going down because we're out of the distressed foreclosure crisis. Um, so you don't really need to have this many kind of relief programs that are in intact going forward if things are getting better. So uh, ideally, things are getting better. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Wells Fargo reported last week that it's going to be laying off 500 or so employees oh, in the mortgage yeah. business. And uh, those are both in servicing and production. They made you know a note of that you know we've got fewer refinances and also distressed uh, loans or levels are down. So you really just don't have the demand for those kinds of employees that they had in those departments. And I noticed that uh, 160 of those layoffs are in North Carolina, big chunk of them there. And finally, for uh, some of our highlights for this last week, uh, wholesale uh, home equity conversion mortgage production was over 2,800 endorsements uh, during August, and that was up from July. And the same thing, we had uh, an increase for retail uh, HECM endorsements, which were uh, nearly 3,000 in August. So uh, reverse mortgages endorsed by the Federal Housing Administration uh, showed some growth over the last month. Showed some growth, yeah, that's interesting. So that wraps up uh, the headlines there. That wraps up the headlines. But when you look at the whole reverse mortgage space, Jack Guttentag, a good friend, Professor Jack, uh, the mortgage professor, is uh, excited about that. There's, he sees some real opportunity in that space. So appreciate that. Good stuff on the headlines. Well, let's get into talking about the the conference. And Joe, jump in anytime along the way here as we um, some of the things and. and uh, I've got your notes that you sent on over in, in advance of the broadcast, so let's get into it. And some of the comments, I mean, I guess we should start off with the tone that David Stevens kicked this off on. And if you could talk about some of his opening comments and then want to get into Cordray and all the other stuff that you have here, it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, uh, Stevens has just been incredible for the Mortgage Bankers Association. You see just this yeah. attendance at this last event was incredible and uh the things he seems to be doing and where he's leading that organization is just great where it's gone. So uh, the yeah, industry is benefiting job. quite a bit from it. But, uh, of course, he used to be the federal housing commissioner under the in the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And in his opening comments, uh, he noted that uh, Americans are looking for a change. And he, and he based that on how three people, uh, Donald Trump, Ben Carson, and Carly Fiorina, are the uh, leading Republican presidential candidates, and none of them have uh, ever held political office. Um, Another comment he made was that uh, the tidal wave of new regulations and countless changes to rules already in place has been holding back progress in the mortgage market and in the housing uh, recovery. And uh, he also noted that uh, the conforming mortgage market is still completely dependent on FHA, VA, Fannie, and Freddie. Um, and it, and it, I, I wrote down a quote here from him. the secondary market is still fragile, and we could just uh, we could be just one market drop away from GSE legislation in a crisis environment. Um, wow, that's pretty. That's a pretty ominous comment. And uh, but it, it, there's there's some truth to that because uh, when I was at the Americatalyst event, and by the way, we have next week we have Tony Moss and we have uh, Tim Skeet from. Uh, the U.K. going to be on with us. We're talking about the issues. But at Tony Moss's Mary um, Callis event, she brought up the issue, or she didn't. Actually, it was um, one of my favorite uh, authors, uh, James Rickards, who wrote the book, a uh, really popular book, Currency Wars, and said that he sees the next issue being a liquidity crisis in the bond markets. And if that happens, well, uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to even calculate it in my, that in my head as to what that could mean. But he says he, he's fairly convinced that he's not sure. He doesn't think it's like imminent immediately, but it's 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 there and it's looming and it's a very real crisis. So I, th- I think that's really interesting because Stevens would make those comments. 
Um, Joe, I'll let you jump in. Do you have any questions before we get into some of the Cordray's comments and uh, his presentation? Yep. Well, I was, Dave, I was wondering, uh, you know, as it relates to uh, the the issue about the secondary market being just one crisis away, are, are you are you talking, or was Dave talking about the concerns that would go along with another uh, draw on the, uh, or need to guarantee loans and to absorb losses, uh, which would then stimulate additional oversight? I'll let uh, Sam. Do you want to go? I, I'll share what I understand his comments to be. Go ahead, Sam. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to interpret too much what he said without a, looking at it more closely. But um, you know, it, one of the things he brought up here was uh, he said he, he said specifically that the biggest single issue right now is risk share deals. He he explained that while the the trade group su- supports uh, upfront risk share that. The back-end risk-share deals are only being offered to a handful of institutions and excluding thousands of smaller institutions. So, uh, you know, his comment was, like, we've seen this before, and it doesn't have a happy ending. But uh, so I, I don't yeah, know if I, that helps. A, well, I think one of the things, Joe, that I'm, what I'm seeing is it's not so much a issue related to the, that brought about the last housing crisis. And we're seeing you know, a loose thing. There's, there's a general sense. I heard it throughout the conference and the number of the speeches that were given. There's a general sense that there is a loosening, that credit is getting looser, but it's not going anything close back to the crazy days that we saw in the subprime crisis that brought us about to our current levels. Uh, the fact that some there's some reporters that were there asking me questions, what do you think about you know 97%? I said, well, I, I have less of an issue. I don't have an issue of 100% financing. It really has, gets more towards the credit scores and the overall economic conditions that we're in. Um, whether you're 100% or 97% or 95% or 90%, uh, you have a downturn in the economy, and you're going to have yourself delinquency spiking. It's interesting that Sam uh, reported that the delinquencies are going up again, now foreclosure activity. Now, what I am hearing is from other reading, other articles as it relates to the foreclosure numbers going up slightly, is that it's because they are now have enough homes that have appreciated to the point where uh, shadow inventory that was sitting on the books is to be getting cleared out. Uh, I looked at three states. Uh, Boston was, interestingly, the number one state at a 110% increase uh, in uh, foreclosure activity. And that was that was spike, followed by St. Louis, I think, was up by um, – I can't remember what the number is, so I shouldn't cry to quote it. But it was up there pretty significantly. And Dallas was up 45%. Now, all of that is attributed more towards the values have appreciated to the point where properties that were underwater, where they would have taken – the banks would have taken a hit – on the foreclosure and the resale of the property, is that's not happening. So that's what the general consensus is. It's not because we're actually seeing the current credit standards causing um, interest, causing a, a resurgence in delinquencies. That, that really hasn't played out yet. I think it's more of a potential economic downturn. Uh, the thing that Jim Rickards is referring to is truly a liquidity crisis such as we experienced in, 2000, in 1999. If you recall, when long-term capital failed, we saw a evaporation of liquidity for any bond market, any of the mortgage-backed securities. It just literally evaporated. Uh, the company in which I was a part of uh, was sold to. We sold the company to a Wall Street firm that had a 
$1.2 or $1.3 billion market cap on only 20% of the shares being sold. That company ran into a liquidity crisis, and that company filed bankruptcy. So, I mean, I'm aware of having lived through a number of these cycles over the, my time frame, my 43 years in this industry. You definitely know that these events do happen. Remember 1987 as if it was yesterday? Remember that day? That was a, one of my first uh, rides through this journey. So, Joe, I mean, you've been through a number of these. You know, in listening to all this, what are your reaction to that? And then we'll get into court race comments. Your thoughts? I think we're a long way from um, getting ourselves into a difficult situation from a risk perspective, although you have seen, and and it's appropriate, I think, uh, to some degree, that uh, we need to loosen the standards somewhat to allow more people to buy homes and and can do that in a safe way, I mean, uh, because we've swung so far. So some loosening is good. And I think some people are saying that's attributing to why we're seeing the existing home sales numbers as strong as they are now. We have yet to figure out why the new home sales numbers today are off from expectations. But um, again, overall, and and the fact that last months were revised downwards sometime, uh, somewhat. So, I mean, there's... Builders I talk to are somewhat pensive about getting out there, getting too much inventory, because they've always been afraid of what the feds are going to do. If they're going to increase interest rates, that just could kill sales. And the last thing a builder wants to be do is have a lot of inventory in the market. So I wonder if that number on existing, excuse me, new home sales numbers that was released today is has more to do with builders just being cautious. Uh, well, that doesn't jive with the builder index, the home builder I know. sentiment. So. Yeah, I, I think they are out there building it. Maybe you hit on it earlier, where where we just, uh, you know, where the the inventory is trying to catch up to the demand. Yeah. You know, and one uh, other yeah. thing is, of course, while the builders become more optimistic, there's a lag time between their optimism and putting, uh, you know, having st- yeah, have, and having product for inventory for sale. That's, that's a great point, Sam. Really great point. So, but uh, one think, other thing that you, you were all talking yeah. about foreclosures, uh, and of course we've seen uh, a rise in foreclosure rates. But uh, what we've also seen is that these these are in the REO department, you know, foreclosures, yes. foreclosures that are completed. And and what some of the comments that have been made, like by Realty Tracker, that this stuff has been out there for a while. Now they're just able to get it through the system, you know, because we've had a lot more yeah. uh, uh, guidelines and rules that have been, uh, you know been activated recently so it's just a matter of uh having made it through that process so i think we're starting to see some of that too yeah and the, the, all the, the biggest I, indicator is in delinquencies continue to fall go ahead joe sorry well i was i was going to shift to something else if that's okay i, I yeah i'm very curious what was said what you heard um regarding things like the the big fines uh, against the big banks and and the uh, you know the regulators going after with uh, punitive fines and and then the quicken lawsuit you know, um, Stevens uh, hit on that. He, basically, he expressed some concerns, quite a big concern, over the use of the False Claims Act by the Department of Justice. You know, this is Civil War legislation. Um, now it's being used to get these trouble damages uh, against lenders who make the minor mistakes on FHA loans. Um, and, of course, trouble damages are three times the loan amount. So 
very painful for for what when that happens. But what was interesting is you know of course Quicken is a target of uh, the Department of Justice right now, and uh, Dan Gilbert didn't hold back during his presentation and talking about <laughs> being a target. And, you know, saying that, hey, lenders need to stand up to these guys, otherwise they're just going to keep railroading over and collecting these big settlements. So, and, of course, that's what they're doing. So they're still in the midst of that litigation with the Department of Justice, and you know, they've got a pretty good record with the FHA as far as loan performance. So sometimes it yeah, doesn't... Yeah, because some of the Dan's comments were hilarious as it relates to hamburgers, and and, and he made some great... He used several examples, metaphors to, that were really good, so... Uh, cover some of that, because that gets into Cordray's comments and kind of covers some of that area. Well, you know, uh, just before Cordray, uh, maybe two or two uh, speakers before that, it was Dan Gilbert and along with Bill Emerson sitting down just making a a number of comments, but he came up with a a presentation and he had a slideshow, you know, and it shows a guy at a hamburger restaurant. And uh, they basically use an analogy, what if TRID were using the process of ordering a hamburger? You know, the restaurant would be required to break down the cost of each individual ingredient, such as meat and onions and ketchup, before the hamburger could be provided to the consumer. And and then uh, the presentation went on to say uh, that uh, because the consumer decided after ordering the hamburger to forego the onions, the consumer would have to wait another three days before it could receive the hamburger. <laughs> so he had everybody rolling. Um, and then, of course, we got Cordray that comes up not too long after that and uh he pretty much uh opens up um and it's funny because he's normally pretty straight strictly business yeah. and you know doesn't seem to be a to have a lot of humor but you know he opens up his presentation with a uh, i also appreciate the advice the next time i go to five guys i'll work on my methods of buying a hamburger and then he concluded <laughs> he concluded his presentation with uh you can add the an- onions to your hamburger without having to redo the deal so you know, his comments uh, were basically maybe uh, everybody was overreacting and it wasn't quite so bad. Um, you know, he noted that despite warnings, you know, of non-QM lending, uh, so far as he could tell, there hadn't been a single case brought against a lender for making non-QM loans. And uh, he also, uh, you know, I think a lot of people picked up on this, said he was disturbed about how some vendors have performed poorly in getting their work done in that a timely really manner. That was really interesting. That, that and, was uh, really interesting. Yeah, and, and, and quote, here's what he says, uh, it may well be that all of the financial regulators, including the Consumer Bureau, needed to devote greater attention to the unsatisfactory performance of those vendors and how they're affecting the financial marketplace. So watch out, huh? Yeah, that, that, that is a shot over the bow or a good indication that I think the focus and will shift will be there. Will be. And, I, and, and I, that is one of the things I want to get into. I wish Alex could be, Alex could be here because she heard the same thing. First of all, people just did not want to talk trade. You bring up trade and they go, oh, my gosh, put their hands up. They go like, can we please talk about something else other than trade? We're past it. We feel good. We know where we're at. And here's some of them are saying, I think my vendor has a right. I think I have to have confidence on my vendor. There is not, in some cases, certainty. Down in the case of LMA, there was clear certainty. Case of D&H, very clear certainty. But some of the other vendors, there was not. they were not communicating. However they were communicating, it was not quite coming across in the same level of confidence. That's not to put a shadow, if I don't mention their names, over any of them. So don't be reading into these statements more than anything else. But there is clearly a sense that some of them are still struggling. And one particular larger inventor with a large install base was handing out releases just literally days, a day or two before the conference, I mean, before the regulation went into effect. That what the lenders that they're serving 
just in a real tough spot. And that was really being circulated around there. So I think you're going to be seeing um, some potential repercussions from that. And I think a greater scrutiny. And that's just like all those, that's all those technology companies need is a little greater scrutiny from, from, uh, you, know, you want to describe a bad day at the technology world at a technology company when, you, when the first people in the parking lot are the uh, CFPB auditors and to want to sit down. I mean, it, most employees will just go, keep on driving, keep on driving. So <laughs> anyway, I think that's what's going on there. But you know, the, the kind of sense I was getting from uh, the vendors yeah. versus the mortgage bankers, the the operators, right. you know, the vendors are kind of um, – they were all, uh, well, this is good stuff. We needed this compliance, and, of course, we're here to take care of everybody. But, uh, you know, this is this needs to happen. And then the lenders are like, this is ridiculous. This is, you know, going to extend everything. It was just two different points of view. And it kind of reminded me of when uh, we had a lot more foreclosures out there and how some of these service providers for the foreclosure space were, uh, you know, kind of had the uh, outlook that, Foreclosures are going to be around for many, many more years. You know, and in fact, they they actually went away after a couple. But uh, you know, there's some motivation there. Um, if you're if you're servicing these kinds of things, then you know, obviously, you're going to be more optimistic about right. what your business is going to be. So, um, I did see that uh, split in views as far as between vendors and originators. Let's get into some of the other comments. I'm looking at the time. This flies by when we're on the radio here. But give us some uh, other perspective that some of the things that you heard from the conference. And uh, from the sessions that you attended, uh, give us some give us some feedback. Um, you know, one thing I think it's important to bring up is uh, that Cordray was talking about how um, you know some of these things on the closing disclosure can be closed or changed even right up to the closing. Um, he said uh, that there are only three narrow circumstances where the closing would be delayed because of a of a closing disclosure. The first is when the the basic loan product changes. Um, like from a fixed rate to an adjustable rate. The uh, second one is when the three-day period is triggered when the annual percentage rate changes more than an eighth of a percent or eighth of a point. And then third, uh, if a prepayment penalty is blatantly added to the loan. So he's saying, you know, th- those are really the only circumstances where you have a problem like that. Um, FHFA, uh, the director, Mel Watt, of course, spoke uh, right about the same time Cordray did. Um, you know, he highlighted pretty much uh, progress that's been made uh, with single security, common securitization platform, common securitization solution, et cetera. Um, he really didn't bring up anything that was, uh, you know, groundbreaking or, you know, that we didn't already know, I guess should we say. He'd been pretty good about getting that information out as it happens. Uh, Castro, uh, HUD Secretary Castro, he he basically uh, came on with the video playing behind him about you know highlighting how you know HUD's history because it was a 50-year anniversary and right. uh, you know they had a number of uh, former HUD secretaries in the video um, and you know he made an interesting comment he noted that uh, back in 1965 when HUD was uh, created Facebook didn't exist Twitter was still uh, a sound the cloud was uh, still in the sky 4G was a parking place. <laughs> Apps were uh, what you sent to college, and Skype was a typo. <laughs> he credited uh, <laughs> Tom Friedman, the journalist, for those comments. But uh, um, anyway, he he uh, he said that uh, you know the existing home sales are now at pre-bubble levels, and home prices are higher than they've been since 2007, and home equity is up 5.2 trillion dollars since 2009. So you know, like he's you know mostly t- touting the Obama administration, which he's part of oh, at yeah. this point. Uh, and that, but you know, some interesting comments, and uh, you know, he uh, seemed to address uh, Stevens' concerns 
by explaining HUD has worked closely with industry leaders over the past few years to create more clarity and certainty for those doing business with it. So, and, and we've seen some of that, but uh, obviously there's still a lot of companies that are nervous and backing away from FHA lending. Yeah, some of which isn't. I mean, is is isn't that somewhat by design to some extent because of the market share they ended up with at one point in time, and so I don't know that they're going to be terribly disappointed about that. But at the same time, their significance in the marketplace for the first-time home buyer is unquestionable. So, any change? I did not hear anything there that was changing their overall um, mission that they see themselves there primarily for the first-time home buyer. No, I, I didn't. I didn't either. In fact, uh, it seemed like uh, I, I could kind of sense that this was the guy that was, uh, you know, has political aspirations himself, and, and so that was, everything was kind of presented in a very positive, upbeat, "Look what we've done" kind of uh, approach. Right. Yeah, and I think anyone inside the Beltway's got you wouldn't live there if you didn't have some political aspirations, uh, David Stevens included. I mean, I think to some degree. Now, I hope he stays right where he's doing what he's doing. Like your comments that he what he is doing. For us in our industry is is very very solid. Uh, let's take a look at some. I'm mean, looking at all the notes here, and there's so much material here. Um, did you get a sense with Fannie and Freddie from Mel Watts' comments that there is um, any changes afoot with Fannie and Freddie at all? I didn't get any of that. It seems like business is normal, business as usual. Some of the same talking things are going to be there. Um, it, it just seemed like, you know, from Mel Watts' comments, is that we're, we're, the agencies are here to stay. And- no, no real changes. Uh, I didn't get a sense of that, but of course we've seen recently that there, you know, been some updates to the representations and warranties. You know, some relief there um, to provide a little bit more uh, certainty about repurchase liability. So, you know, while it wasn't, there was nothing groundbreaking that he said. Um, and, and he even said, was making one comment that he couldn't really comment on uh, some of the things that are going on just because of the process they're at and the rulemaking process. But, uh, you know, again, I think all that's been really co- – that's come out in the last few months, uh, some of these things that are really, I think, beneficial to the industry and providing a little more certainty, kind of kind of like what Castro was saying about FHA. Yeah. Dave, I, I've noticed – Yes, go ahead, Joe. It, it, it seems like Fannie and Freddie are competing with each other again a little more than they yes. have been for a long time. See more of the evil and, and twins, so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and that's kind of a good thing, as we've seen as one has mm-hmm. gotten more aggressive in one area, the other has had to match uh, to, to to keep market share, I guess. And, and so, you know, it's kind of a good thing that they're competing with each other. It it, it'd be I nice mean, if there was a, some someone else competing with them, though, you know, a, a non-government yeah. source. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the thing. And I think, I mean, I want to talk about uh, Citadel and Sam uh, and what, what um, Dan Pearl is doing there at Citadel and the nonconforming space. There's there's, a, there's more movement in that space. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But one of the things that is where they're not competing is they're truly doing the common securitization platform. And I talked to Doug Duncan there, chief economist, had a number of opportunities to sit down with him and visit at, while there. And, and there's clearly that is underway, a common securitization platform. But I think where there's the more the sense of competing is how how we get to the loans into that common securitization plan. So um, I, you know, I asked several people, this is Doug saying, but I asked several other people who asked not to have their name mentioned. Uh, again, this is not attributed to Doug 
Duncan in any way, shape, or form. But uh, several said that there, anytime we come into the silly season, the election season we're coming into, um, there is going to be some of that talk. There is going to be which one should be the surviving entity if there's a consolidation. Uh, the fact that they're doing a common securitization platform, um, uh, is, is, a, is it a prelude that one of the two entities is going to go away and the other is going to be a survivor? If so, which one's the strongest? And so... Uh, there's there's some of that going on, but no one really believes that I talk to that they're whether well, the reporters are like yourself say I'm running around talking to everybody. There was just no sense that there's just be more talk and posturing as we head into this silly season election year. And so, no, that there seems to be a, a general resignation. Uh, Mel Watts here to stay. He's going to be here at least through the, until Obama's uh, out of office, and then. Uh, he does have many concluded that he does have some political aspirations. Well, he did. He he was in politics before he came into this. He was elected official. He's going to be continuing on with this <clears throat> and that, going back to that. So I think there's going to be some shifts. But at this point, everyone seems to think that it's just posturing uh, in anticipation of a potential change of control at the White House and in Congress that happens then they want to at least have their talking points out there on record saying we're the strongest in this area and you should, you know, whoever it is deciding these things in the future, you know, Fannie is strong here, Freddie's strong there, and that type of thing. So the common securitization is underway and on its way. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that relates to non-agency, non-government type product. Uh, Citadel was there. My good friend Alan Peviani was in the booth, talked to him numerous times, as well as a number of others. New Penn Financial um, was some of the things that they're doing. Uh, all of there's, there's a lot of product, but the liquidity just remains the biggest issue. Again, uh, Joe, you know about this as well as anybody. And I want to get Sam in on some of the things he heard while walking around there. But I met, tried to make sure I sat down with everybody that was at the conference, you know, Pitching a non-conforming, a non-QM product, they all said we're feeling more comfortable to do so because it seems that the CFPB and the concerns about the CFPB uh, were are, are, were overrated and, and overstated. So there's less concern about the repercussions if they do it right. So a lot of time, it's the crossing the T's, dotting the I's, is very much going on, but there's a greater sense after clarification that the... Um, that CFPB has communicated adequately. It's where these guys are comfortable getting out there. So we're going to see a, a resurgence of some of these nonconforming products. There was uh, five companies there that was really launching some new products. Don't want to get into any of the names of the companies. Go through the list of investors. Excuse me, the the vendors there at the the booze. Take a look at who's there. But. Citadel is the only one that I really, and then New Penn are the ones that have been there. Dan Pearl has got extensive experience with that life savings back in the old days. He sold out at right at the perfect time, and then uh, before the crash, the, the last crash, and then is now bringing through uh, some products and doing a really, really pretty, pretty stellar job and surrounding himself with some really, really good people. So, your thoughts on that, Sam? And then I want to get over to Joe on. Well, you know, I sat down with Jerry Shiano over at New Penn and yeah. actually had a good conversation with him. I've, I've known him for, gosh, since the uh, early 90s when he was back in subprime, and I was actually in the business. And, um, you know, it, it, bottom line was, I mean, yeah, they do some non-QM, but their bread and butter is, you know, conventional and government business. Um, which I was kind of surprised, you know. That's yeah. He, he that's, Jerry Jerry told me he tried to get out there and do more of that. They had hopes of that. They had a fund that was ready to hold it in portfolio. 
you know, uh, they have the father of the securitizations. Lou Ranieri is a part of that. And it, it just, the liquidity never showed up for it. And so, yeah, they ended up doing just out of agency and uh, found some portfolio buyers for that because they were not able to bring a securitization to market. So, yeah. But, but I, I think what you've got going here is we need some time under our belt uh, where yes. people can feel comfortable that, you know, what are the repercussions going to be if we make a mistake and how are they going to come after us? Because, you know, it's still pretty new and nobody has really had to resort to that kind of business yet because refinances just kept coming back with the way rates have been. So I think, you know, if if we don't see uh, rates dip quite a bit in the upcoming months and year, we'll probably see more people taking risk along those lines and maybe uh, offering more of that kind of product. Joe, any thoughts on that? I'm like, gosh, I can't believe this. That we're yeah, up at the, top, at the top of the hour. Yeah, time's about up. Any other comments? And then uh, well, finish it, up for the last... It, it, yeah, as an investor, when you consider the the options, uh, and I know they're all risk uh, based options, but uh, how do you how do you not like the the fact that it's totally government guaranteed? Yeah, and in, well, and until that's until that's uh, uh, on a level playing field, the uh, jumbos are going to have uh, a lot of liquidity issues. Some of the people I walked uh, a Wall Street firm around a, a large hedge fund um, money manager around the conference and, and spent two hours with them in the booth. And there's an acknowledgement that there is a uh, interest. There's a huge amount of capital looking for a return, and that is creating an intense pressure on the private markets to come back with something. And we're seeing some other the money's going in some other areas, and they keep coming back to mortgages as the best route. This and then you look at the asset-backed security attendance, which is up just crazy up from what it used to be. Um, we've had uh, uh, Elaine, uh, I mean, excuse me, Eileen O'Grady on the broadcast. Ooh, can't believe I said that wrong. Eileen O'Grady, my old underwriter, dear friend, she has been instrumental attending a lot of these conventions and doing a lot of things that are innovative in these areas. She says this is it's catching more steam. So when will that happen? I think if we see a CFPB not doing any taking any action towards the ones that are out there and the ones that are doing it are doing it in a responsible manner, I think we could see that come back here in over the next couple of years. A lot of it will have to do with who's going to be in the White House. and We're still dealing in a highly political environment. Uh, as we exit, Sam, any parting thoughts here, anything we missed that is noteworthy? Well, just along the lines of what you've all just been mentioning, and that is the jumbo stuff, which, you know, jumbo mm, yeah. is uh, non-QM. And, you know, that's primarily being done by the big banks. It's the best investment they can make right now in the mortgage realm. So it's hard to compete for that stuff because they're doing it at below conforming rates. Yeah, it is. It's, it's crazy when you look at what's going on in that area. So, well, the drums are starting up. We're done with this podcast. We appreciate you tuning in, everybody. I want to say a special thank you to our special guest this second half hour. It's been Sam Garcia, Mortgage Daily. Check it out, www.mortgagedaily.com. Sam, thank you so much for putting this all together and, and the time you spent to do so uh, and joining us here today. Really appreciate it, friend. Thank you, and thank you, Mortgage Bankers Association, for uh, putting together a good event. That's a great way to that's a way to close it out. Joe, looking at the markets, we're sitting at four. Uh, looks like we're four thirty seconds. Is that where we're sitting, right at the market? Yep. We go up. Yep. We're close in the middle of the range for the day. Yep, right in the middle of the range. Well, folks, have a great week, and we're going to have Tim Skeet next week. 
on with Tony Moss. Uh, he's a, he flies in from the U.K. It's always fun to see him, and he'll be back with us next week. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 